I was in the form of my life and when you're in the form of your life you keep pushing and pushing and you want more and you want more and you're training harder and racing harder and I worked myself into the ground, backed myself into a corner and yeah, ultimately I finished the race in sixth position, gutted and then woke up in the medical tent. I'd had a fit on the ground following the event and I mean right up until then you're still questioning the sport. Welcome back or welcome to another episode of the Success Times Happiness Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Thompson. Today, we have a young up-and-coming professional triathlete, Kurt McDonald. He is an incredible human, has a great story. I used to train with his dad um, back in the day. So if anything, this whole episode has made me feel about 50 years older than I actually am. But he's a great human, an incredible athlete, and I uh, hope you really enjoy the chat. So here we go. Kurt McDonald. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, mate. Thank you for coming. I think you are our very first professional triathlete. Well, there you go. Had Matt Heyman on, so you classify him as a professional uh, cyclist, but um, professional triathlete. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Of course, I do have my own podcast, but I'm in the firing line today. A little (laughs) bit different to usual. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's half the reason. I mean, our history goes back a fair while, but you're a little bit different to most professional triathletes. And that's the reason why I'm intrigued and super keen to have a chat. You're currently ranked 66th in the world. And that's primarily from a, you know, if anything, that's from a impressive year last year, but the strings in your bow are more than just athletics. Talk to me about that. Yeah, for sure. As I did mention, I have a podcast where I do share my journey, Kurt McDonald Uncut. Mm-hmm. I've also dabbled in clothing brands. Uh, I'm at university, about to graduate with a business degree, and I've always tried to be a bit more holistic than just a triathlete. You know, there's so many triathletes in the world, professional athletes, and how can I be different Mm. has always been the big question for me. Now, take me back growing up in country Victoria. Yep, country Victoria, a small town called Camperdown, 3,000 people. Yeah, it was probably different to a lot of people's upbringings I mean I went to school with six people in year 12 and I know that blows so many people's minds and even from the point of view of triathlon you know without mum and dad I wouldn't be here like uh we had no pool in Camperdown itself or we did but it only opened in summer so that meant four times a week driving 50 minutes to and from swimming you know and I didn't have a license at this point in time so to choose triathlon was a crazy idea at the time but i'm so grateful it has paid off and what drew you there do you think to doing that sport as against you know footy or any other i mean i was born into it in a way as you would know you trained with dad back in the day i mean that's going back some time but dad did what's that not too long ago (laughs) (laughs) apologies apologies. really old yeah yeah but no of course as you would know dad did 16 iron man and i started as a cross-country runner had a natural sort of talent I guess or some form of talent for endurance sport I played golf I played basketball I played a bit of football but I just kept coming back to that high performance running and eventually that meant that I gave up the other sports and then naturally transitioned to triathlon initially when I was having some injuries as a runner it was perfect cross training but I fell in love and I haven't left since yeah and so dad would be driving you to and from or dad and mum would be driving you to the pool four times a week, 50 minutes there, 50 minutes back. 
Yeah, that's exactly. Incredible. Yeah, massive commitment. And I mean, growing up, I guess dad was my superhero in a way. Like I saw him do that, so it was nothing to me. But he was my superhero, by the way. There you so, go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I mean, behind the scenes as well, now that I'm an adult and have grown up to see the other side of life, like nothing was possible without mum at home, yeah. you know, keeping tabs on all of us. So, yeah, yeah. I'm a very privileged young man. Yeah, it's a, certainly seems like you grew up in that environment where a team is required. Like you need to have the people involved to allow you to succeed. And now you're an adult, as you said, you can see that that's still, that's a common denominator. The players may change or, you know, the, the teammates may change, but even in an individual sport like triathlon, you need an incredible team around you to facilitate success. Yeah, growing up, mum always said it takes a village. Yeah. And as you mentioned, that village has changed, but... Growing up, nothing was off limits. If I needed to race somewhere, mum and dad would make it happen. And that just became so normal, but it's not until you step out on your own you realise how big of a commitment that was. And of course, mum and dad are still in camp down. They've stepped back a little bit. For You know, they're not at every race now, and I look back on the memories so fondly, but now it's transitioned. I have a beautiful girlfriend, Ali Hoyting. You know, I live with my brother, Bailey McDonald, and have array of training partner support staff. So as you mentioned, it changes. But yeah, this is far from individual. So as a young, a relatively young professional athlete in a really competitive sport, how do you view uh, from the outset, I guess, from this chat, how do you view the, the, the concept of success and how do you view the concept of happiness as uh, a professional triathlete? I mean, when I first started triathlon, I probably almost had an unhealthy relationship with success, you might say. It was pretty much a direct correlation that hard work meant I'd win more and that would make me happy. And it wasn't until that was stripped away a little bit when I did stop winning. I had some injuries, some illness, and I've really reinvented myself a bit more now, became a bit more holistic. It's not, well, it's all about the podium for me. I want to win, but there's also so many more factors like building a career, influencing other people. And I think that certainly keeps me on the straight and narrow a lot more now. Yeah, I think I think you tapped into something good there in the sense that if you are tied up with, the idea of a podium or a win with your happiness, then what are you without it? Correct. And it's a really slippery slope. And like you said, like, you know, you, you are only going to experience that and really confront that when that is stripped away. Cause you're like, Oh wait. Um, and I think that's not unique to, I think that's, that's not unique to most writers in the sense that they go, well, this is who I identify as myself, right? This is who I am as a person. And it might be I'm an athlete, it might be I'm a business owner, it might be whatever the situation is. But if that's the fuel, that's the reason why you're going to be happy in life, if you, then if that doesn't happen or if that's just stripped away, what are you? And that's confronting, right? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, winning is largely out of your control in a lot of ways. Mm. You know, I toe the line with 70-odd competitors, you know, the 69 people out there to beat me. It's not easy and not always in my control. And I guess in the early days, it was win at all costs. I didn't really care what was in my way or anything. But the minute that was stripped away, and I didn't really realize it until then, it was a little bit empty. I was sort of just not alone. I still had the respect of everyone, but I'd pushed aside a lot of things, whether that be education had been pushed to the side, a touch, friends, family even. So now I'm really conscious of all those things and really making it one big journey. Yeah, right. So to take me back there. So going in your teenage years, you're in running, you're in triathlon, you're killing it, everything you're touching is just, I guess, much more advanced to your competitors. And then 
injury and illness hits? Yeah, so from between 12 to 16 years of age, I mean, I'd sort of win every race in Victoria. On the national scene, I'd be on the podium. And then, yeah, ultimately too much hard work. The thing that did drive my success was my undoing. I had an array of stress fractures. I, you know, had a stress fracture in my sacrum that only a small percentage of people can have or experience. It's a hard thing to get. Yeah. yeah, and the way I broke it was just crazy. And then... Then I dived right into education, you know, have a bit of an addictive personality and trying to balance that with training led to like glandular fever. And then you start looking at chronic fatigue and yeah, it was a whirlwind of events, but I think the success that I experience now wouldn't be the same had I not gone through those things. I mean, to be back on the podium last year, building a full career, you really stay in the moment and enjoy it a lot more. It's not always onto the next thing now. Mm. And so because of that, delay with injury and illness for some rel- for relative speaking you were they sort of ranked you in the hundreds right the two to three hundreds in the world and now because of those podiums Taupo and, and Langkawi and and Canberra and, and Husky right you're now 66th in the world and bearing down top 50 soon and and there's a lot of people I imagine in triathlon that are looking at you as like an overnight success oh most certainly like how are you still how are you always on this podium yeah how and so do you what do you say to them what do you have to explain to them that you've been doing this since you were 12 or yeah it's been a funny little period i mean you start getting success and you're on the radar and people start to take notice but yeah there's so much that has come before i don't think anyone's an overnight success and i mean it's platforms like this that do let me tell my story but i mean yeah, I think the results do the talking, but yeah, it's far from overnight. And I mean, my day ones, my support team certainly know that. Yeah. What lessons do you think you've, you'll have take away from the last two years, let's say, from when you were struggling, getting consistency and getting the work in and without any results or any sort of feedback loop that this is, you're on the right path here? Or more of the question, I guess, is were there doubts that this was the way forward for you? Oh, yeah, I questioned what I was doing so often. I mean, I was trying to prove myself in every race and, yeah, ultimately that just doesn't work. Yeah, September last year even, you know, I finished Sunshine Coast Ironman 70.3 and I had a fit following the event. And more than ever, even in that moment, I'm questioning, is you this had the fit. path forward? Yeah. Talk so to I, you about that. I mean, I was in the form of my life and when you're in the form of your life, you keep pushing and pushing and you want more and you want more and you're training harder and racing harder and... I worked myself into the ground, backed myself into a corner and yeah, ultimately I finished the race in sixth position, gutted and then woke up in the medical tent. I'd had a fit on the ground following the event and I mean, right up until then, you're still questioning the sport. What did the doctor say? What happened? Just an extreme case of fatigue. I underwent some tests and it was uh, all clear, but yeah, right up until that moment, I mean, there's still doubts and I think the minute that I stopped trying to prove myself was the moment that doors opened again. So you think that even up until September just gone, you were still trying to force it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'd had success at Husky. Sure. I'd finished second at Australian Long Course Championships, but you want more and more. When now I feel like I've had some runs on the board that I'm actually as free as ever. I feel like I can start this year. I've proved myself, if that's what you'd like to call it, and whatever happens, happens. I feel like I'm in a much better place now, just having some results under the belt. Well, lessons come then, as I said to you before we chatted on, before we started rolling, this idea that what the tools that 
got you here are not necessarily the tools that need you to, to allow you to get you there. And if there is, let's say, top 20, what do you think you need to learn more to get to that point? I mean, I've always been a believer that there is no limits. I mean, I've always believed that I can sort of do anything and I guess it's driving that consistency. I just need more time to develop as an athlete and then it's just picking apart the small little pieces. The sport of triathlon is is interesting, I find, in the sense that like a lot of things, hard work and consistency go a long, long way and... I don't. I don't believe. I don't. I don't. Don't believe that you can be your gift. Anyone is gifted, right? You don't. You're not born gifted. You just. You're born in an environment that is can be really supportive of your childhood endeavors. Yes, it's so much better learning how to swim properly. Let's say at eight, ten, twelve, fourteen, and in that environment of squad swimming, than picking it up at twenty. Yeah. Right. And the, the athletes who struggle in the water would indicate that they pick, they've picked it up late, right? And they're just, play, they're just trying to play catch up. If, if you follow that logic, then isn't it just a matter of time before you do whatever you want to do in the sport? I certainly believe so. Yeah, I think that I just need more time. And then is it just as simple of then just staying the course? Like, have you, do you sit down with yourself and think, okay, those results, this just gone really good helps your confidence helps you grow helps you gives you time gives you space right but then at some point there's going to be a period of time where you don't or like we said right your bare minimum standard now has risen so maybe at the start of this year certainly in the medical tenant sunny coast you'd be killing for more podiums yeah and certainly last year 2000 uh 2022 you'd be like oh man 70.3 podiums half ironman podiums would be brilliant but now you're, you haven't got off it yet now, right? You, you're there. And so your expectations change and that's just normal. Do you expect to be drawing upon those lessons learned from last year to hold you in good stead? Yeah, most certainly. And I think that's why I no longer want to be defi- defined by winning. I mean, building that more holistic view on the sport means I can't be as disappointed. So what do you think draws you to the sport in in a triathlon is interesting and particularly highly competitive the top end of the sport where hard work now no longer necessarily pays off it's you've got to be you know to 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 be on the podium and consistently be on the podium takes a lot of work and consistency and good fortune to a certain degree what draws you now to this i think it's a perfect blend for me i mean as you mentioned the underlying hard work across swim bike run but there's also such variation, you know, it's not like just running when you put your shoes on and head out the door. But I do enjoy the simplicity of that. But then there's the bike technology, there's the nutrition side. It's a really, it's a lifestyle in a way. And that's certainly what draws me towards it. Obviously, every day or every other day, you are putting yourself through the, through the work and asking a lot of yourself mentally to get through a certain period of training or whether it is swim, bike or run. How do you go about that? What's your strategy with dealing with that discomfort? I mean, goal setting is the big thing for me. Okay. I mean, it really has to light your fire and it doesn't have to make sense to anyone else. Yeah. I think it has to matter to you. You know, I went through a period of racing what the Federation suggested would be right 
But the moment you race those events that mean something to you, mm-hmm. I think that gets you out of bed every day in the lead up, not just race day. Yeah. And if you can always link back to that, a goal that means so much more than anything else, I think everything else takes care of itself. So you reckon that if you've got a strong enough goal and the purpose behind that, then you're much more inclined to endure the discomfort than if it's a goal given by somebody else or if something you don't necessarily want to achieve as much. Most certainly. Yep. For me, in every tough moment, you know, it's always just linking back into that goal, the reason why I do it. And that is that next goal that is planned, that race calendar, you know, in the discomfort of swim, bike or run. It's pretty easy to link into that goal and find something extra. And that's daily, you reckon? Almost daily? That you're really sucking it? Like you're really, really enduring high levels of discomfort? Yeah, I mean, between swim, bike and run, there's always going to be something truly discomforting on any given day. I mean, we have recovery days, we're all human, but every day there's something that you have to overcome. And it is almost like that that discomfort, or that scientifically it's the discomfort that makes you better, right? Like it's the stress of the training that will make you your, be- your body becomes a better machine or a better vessel and allows you to go faster. So there's something in that, I think, for, yeah. ev- for everyone. To yeah, know for that sure. it's not only does, it, does the discomfort or the sacrifice of the training create value when it pays off, but scientifically on here with endurance sport, which is what I love about it, is that, that the stress that you cause your body creates... It, it, it is a catalyst for your body to improve and get better. That's a, that's a great lesson, I think, for everyone in, in all facets of life to not only look at sacrifice as important and that creates value to the overall journey, but to see the discomfort, there's, there's, you sort of almost have to think, well, this is what we want. Yeah, it's a really magical thing. I mean, like they say to every up, there's a down. But in my mind, pain, there's always pleasure. So it's a really weird relationship, but there's no feeling like it, like getting through something that you truly find discomforting, like the dopamine off the back of that, like I can't match it, you know, and I often say to everyone around me, I'm just not myself when I don't train. I think it links back into those moments. And although you may fear the session or the race for the days leading in, that feeling when you've actually accomplished it, it's like no other. Mm. And that's, that's, I guess the the feeling of overcoming or at least enduring the discomfort yeah yeah absolutely i mean you just you can't buy it i mean it's something that you create yourself and it's it's special and so what's the goal this year for me um world championships december 14 in uh, taupo we've just podiumed yes correct i went over there on a reconnaissance mission that went very well um so the signs certainly point towards a great race but for me i'll be over in europe as well for several months um, just gaining more experience i mean it's great to podium in the oceana region and now it's time to go to europe and experience some different formats of racing um, it's always a little bit different country to country so for me it's another year of growth ultimately i've always wanted to be a world champion like whatever it links back to that has been my goal you know olympics has been thrown in the mix commonwealth games and it's not that they're not big things they're massive but for me, and what I was talking about before and lighting my own fire, I wanted to be a champion of the world. I don't think that will ever change whether I get there or I don't, but I'm going to do everything that I can do. And this will actually be my first year at a world championships. I've been in reserve as a junior. 
Yeah, right. But this will be my first time on the start line. So, yeah, the fire is certainly lit for 2024. So take me through that process of how you set that up. Do you have, you'd have a list of races. Do you have an expectation of training? Because I guess what a lot of athletes don't do is, a lot of professional athletes don't do is, publicly state their benchmarks but they'd have that privately right they'd have say there's a set or there's a there's a there's an amount of swimming that i need to get to or a level of bike that i need to get to or this is how fast i need to be able to run 5k or whatever the case is do you have that or is it a matter of well i don't know how quickly i can how good i can be in in 11 months time so yeah i mean is it like is is the other benchmarks a ceiling for your potential or do you operate that way do you go no i, I want to if i put something down in writing then i'm going to go after that yeah i certainly believe in the whole vision board i don't really set benchmarks i sort of view them as limiters in a way as yeah, weird yeah. as that might be i sort of learned last year again that if you really be yourself race yourself you know the sky is the limit mm. so for me i mean off the back of last year i wanted to keep racing you know you're in the form of your life you want to keep racing but that just ultimately drives the body into the ground so like you're experienced yeah, exactly right. And it takes a good team around you to really bring these things to the forefront. So for me, I really switched off over Christmas and I probably surprised a lot of people, but I didn't train a lot, you know, but that's in the interest of this year. Mm. So of course, the first few months of 2024, I'm not as fit as I want to be, mm. but we map out a plan to be ready when I need to be. So for me, I'll head to Europe in May, stay there three to five months and Look, being ranked 66 in the world opens a lot of doors, but there's still doors to be opened. So there's elements of unknown for me. Of course, I want to race PTO, Professional Triathletes Organisation. That's the ultimate goal. I'll need a wild card as it stands, or I'll need to climb into the top 30 for guaranteed starts. So, I mean, there's always moving bits and pieces, but it's just focusing on the moment as well. For me, I know my run isn't at the standard. So you look at that and you pick it apart i mean and it's not as simple as just running more kilometers it's like catches run faster exactly <laughs> right I, I sure wish i could but you know you have to look within yourself and i think that's super important too that's what separates a lot of athletes you know you have to look at yourself and go well i'm not running world-class times but how can i it's mm. not to say that i can't mm. but is that, you, is that how you talk to yourself yeah, most certainly. Yeah. Like, I believe that, you know, I could run through a wall in a way. It's ridiculous no, to no, say no. that, but, like, I'm a very but glass in the dark, half full. In the, dark, in the depths of your own existence or your own presence, that's the way you, that there's no doubt there. There's just a how can I do this exactly, mentality. I just, yeah, very solutions-based. You know, I'd look at it and go, well, I'm not running fast enough, but I'm racing off the front of events. The bike's certainly zapping my legs. You know, I'm having trouble with heat management. How do we improve that? So there's all these little moving pieces. And until I've explored all those options, I'm not convinced that I can't be a world-class runner. And that's just the way I operate across the board. And I guess it's, that, it's such, such a critical bit of how we talk to ourselves generally, right? And for you to say, I'm not a world-class runner yet, and it's the yet that uh, is integral to that piece here, to go, not that I'm just not, I'm not, just a, world, I'm, I'm not a world-class runner full stop. And that's, that's my story. But it's just... Yeah, the feeling of, yeah, I'll get there. It's just trying to work out how we do that. Yeah, for sure. And when I entered the sport, you know, I couldn't really swim. Like, as an Australian, you can swim. But there's leading out races and there's surviving in the swim. Yeah. So for me, and now I'm a front pack swimmer, I'm known as a swim biker. But in my mind, that's crazy. I entered the sport as a runner. Runner, yeah. So it's just become this transition and you just have to be real with the timelines and everything and understand that 
anything really is possible. Of course, the ceilings with VO2 maxes and all of those bits and pieces. But in my mind, yeah, anything is relatively possible. Mm. Do you do you fear that, or do do you? Well, can you appreciate where you are now in the scheme of what you want to do, or are you are you are you so fixated on where you want to go that that you you don't? It's sort of like, well, what I've achieved so far is just the past, and I'm, but I'm focused on where I'm going, and that's that. This is just the necessary step. Or can do you? Are you a guy that sits back and goes, you know, that's a, this is pretty cool that I get to do this. Yeah, I've learned to sit back, yeah. stay present. That was a really big thing for me at the back end of last year. As I said, as a junior, there was so much success. I was just looking to the next thing. But now it's like, well, that was pretty cool. I'm going to indulge myself in it and enjoy it because you just don't know when the next moment is. Like life can change on a dime, right? Mm. So for me, I have learned to really sit in, enjoy those moments. And a coach once said to me, don't let the highs be too high or the lows be too low. And I went by that for a few years, but I have flipped a little bit recently. Like I'm really celebrating the highs. Like they're few and far between. Like I really want to enjoy them. And the same with the lows. Like feel how you need to feel with it. Yeah. You know, there's no point sugarcoating it. Just feel how you feel and use that to power forward. Mm. So I think presence has been a big thing, all while still picking myself apart and working out how to take that next step. But the moment's been big for me. Yeah, I love that. And I think an idea of that all human emotion is beautiful is what essentially you're saying is to say, okay, we're on this journey of life. You've chosen at this point in time sport which and, and the other aspects of your brand. And there's discomfort, there's, there's ups, there's downs, there's great days, there's bad days, but it's all beautiful, right? And to say, to be able to really embrace and really celebrate the highs and because that's what you live for and to be able to fully be present with the lows as well and go, yeah, this sucks, right? This is shit. Yeah. Um, but there's, a, there's something in it, right? There's something in here, it, something in this moment that I can take away from this really shit moment. Yeah. And that's there's the there's the gold, right? To be able to say if you have a race next year or the year after it, um, to be able to get into the depths and go, Oh, I had a I didn't even finish and I expected to win. And it was a big race. And to be able to go, I feel like I feel like I'm a bare skeleton here. And but to be aware enough and to be appreciative enough of this moment, because I don't know. I think that there's a lot in the the whole human emotion, the whole human experience, right? Not just not just to be lit up by the highs, but to be also to get to a place where you can be lit up by the lows, almost. Yeah, I think is is truly remarkable. Think- and in the sport, right? In triathlon, it's it's a roller coaster. Yeah, and I noticed that last year. You know, I was experiencing so much success, and my girlfriend Ali, in the form of her life at under 23 World Triathlon Championships, broke her collarbone into three pieces. You know what I mean? And in that moment, something that was largely out of her control, you know, an opportunity was taken away from her. And I don't know how you sugarcoat that low, but for me as well, it was a big reminder that like, I'm on a roll, but at any moment it could end. And I think seeing her go through that, I mean, it's pretty devastating when you're in the form of your life, like a genuine medal contender to laying on the floor of a, you know, in a Spanish hospital. Like, it's a crazy thing. And, yeah, that's when I changed my mindset and thought, you know, I really need to feel everything that's taking place around me. But I think also, I can't speak for her, and and 
you can, I imagine, and I, I like to think that if you're wired a certain way, that you will, she will look back and go, that was the best thing that's possibly like to be able to look back. And it's so challenging at the time, especially in that instance where it is out of your control and you can look up into the skies and go, man, this is so unfair. But to be able to have the, to get through that challenge and to be able to say at some point sooner than later, man, this, I don't know what, but there'll be something amazing out of this. And to be able to embrace those, the lows, right? To, to be able to go, yeah, this is, this is the Spanish hospital, but this is that there is to be present enough to go, yeah, I can fully absorb this moment and, and almost celebrate the fact that this is shit. Yeah. I think a quote that we both leaned on in that moment was nothing lasts forever. That's the good and the bad news. And, you know, that's so true. And it just links back to staying in the moment as we have discussed. So what's the goal? World champion is the ultimate goal. But surrounding the performance that we have discussed is a whole career. You know, a triathlon is my life. I want to make it a career, you know, and that takes a village, takes a team, so many partners. But that's the ultimate goal. I want to build a platform where I'm successful enough that I can influence people around me, the next generation. How are you creating that team? Talk to me about that. It's growing quite largely and I'm probably fussy about the people that I do spend time with I think good people are the foundation to success like my mum and dad obviously are the the pillars but then Ali my brother Bailey you know they're huge and then I'm quite fussy on my training partners as well I mean you know a bad egg I guess when you do come across one but for me you always want people that lift you up and not in a false manner but you want people that can keep it real with you and Success is a funny thing. I mean, people jump on board a lot, you know. I mean, I'm not against people jumping on the bandwagon. You know, I love support. Like, let's go to the top together. But we have a funny culture as well of people, you know, they lift you up to a point when you actually get there. They want to lift, like, rip you back down. And that's crazy to me. So it's, yeah, important to weed out those people and then just put your trust in those who really matter. Yeah, fine. I think that if you can find people who want you to succeed for you and will do everything they possibly can to see you succeed uh is a beauty like you need to keep them close oh and they're few and far between Uh for sure like genuine genuine people yeah but when you find them they're they're nuggets of gold yeah yeah um talk to me about bailey he younger brother yeah he's a professional cyclist he is he rides for bridge lane uci continental team yep is he going to meet you over in europe yeah, that's the plan. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, nah, he's, he's a rock star. I mean, talk about influential people. Speaking I mean, of good eggs. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah. four years younger than me, but the lessons he's taught me are just ridiculous. Mm. You know, after Sunshine Coast last year, it was all doom and gloom for me. You know, I was in the form of my life and didn't perform. And a 20-year-old kid, I guess, sat me down and, you know, we worked through things together and... I really, really respect that because I know that he'll listen to me as well. You know, it's a real mutual respect and I'm yeah, so grateful for it. I lean on him all the time and his future's certainly bright. He lights up every room he walks into. Yeah, and only 20. Well, yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. In a 20, under 23 sort of environment. Yeah. He's got a lot of a lot of potential, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, his numbers on the bike are world class, to be honest. So... Yeah, opportunities will present, and he's fantastic at taking them. So, I'm where do you think? It. Where do you think he'll go? I mean, his vision, his dream is the world tour. 
you know, the Tour de France is probably the most common link for many people. But, yeah, time will tell. I think he's played his cards very well so far, and I, I certainly believe in him. You know, he's a great young kid, so I think the sky's the limit once again. Growing up in that household with, with Dietz and Lisa, what do you think that their biggest takeaways were? What are your biggest lessons from seeing them as, a, as, as, as I guess, as parents, but them as athletes? Uh, Dietz as an athlete and Lisa as the support. I mean, we didn't know how good we had it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Line up, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Until we left, like, or, you know, mum and dad are empty nesters. Now Bailey and I live together in Brisbane. But, I mean, the values they displayed every day, the work ethic was unrivaled. And I think a lot of people will say, like, oh, you're so talented. But I don't know if we come from a pool of talent. I think we just come from pure hard work. Hard work. And mum and dad have driven that into us from day one. Anything we wanted, we worked for, essentially. And they were super generous. Don't get me wrong, but they're the pillars of our success, like work ethic. And that's gone against me sometimes. We've had to rein that in. But ultimately, it has led to success. And as I said, dad was my superhero in a way living the dream I wanted to, like doing Iron Man and all those bits and pieces. But as you grow up, you realise that mum was just as much of a superhero. We just didn't at the time recognise that. So, yeah, I'm so grateful for the household I did grow up in and I love going home still. You told her that she's a superhero? Oh, she'll listen to the podcast. (laughs) No, no. It'll be official. (laughs) No, she knows. She knows just how much. And, I mean, yeah, mum and dad are still our biggest fans. Yeah. Yep, highs or lows, they've ridden a full roller coaster with me and they're not about to jump off anytime soon. No, there's um there's proud there's proud parents and then there's your parents. Like they're so proud of you both. Yeah, and they do anything for us. Yeah. You know, they sacrifice themselves if we need something and I just think that's you talk about what do you do in those hard moments and you only have to link in as far as that. You know, someone's sacrificing so much. Like they didn't have the opportunity, I guess, growing up to leave the small town of Camperdown, but you know, when it came to the point, like, should I stay or should I go? You know, mum said, Kurt, you're living a good life, but are you living a full life? And, you know, I can't help but think they would have loved to experience life outside of Camperdown too, but they never had the opportunity for, for them to push us to do that mm. and create the lives we had. I mean, so grateful. Yeah. You can't choose your parents, right? No, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you get stuck with whoever you get stuck with. Yeah. And you just, yeah, I mean... The four of you are, are incredible humans and as in your parents and, and yourself and Bales and there's a lot of a lot to be said for how they've created that life. And most certainly for you both. Yep. And continue to, right? That support. Exactly. Yeah, we'd be nothing without them. Yeah, yeah. This has been a treat. And before before we uh, we wrap up, mate, I did want to reminisce on the story about your dad mm-hmm. and that hard work and um it was at Jindabyne, which you've just been to, and we were on a on a training camp, and we had a support car with us, and we had done this. We had it was an all day ride. We were going from Jindabyne to King Coburn, which is usually I heard I heard about this epic ride from from um, Threadbow to King Coburn and back. And that was because it's sort of like Snow River and you just drop down and drop down and drop down to like almost like Mother Earth and then turn around and go back up to Threadbow. But this day we were we were pushing off from Jindabyne. So it was an extra three hours of riding to get from Jindy to Threadbow. And so Deeds and I went off um, a support car behind us and 
the goal was to turn around at time, not at the destination. And we weren't there yet. And it was still downhill, like 5K downhill left. And we were so keen. And he was sort of there or thereabouts in terms of pushing the pace. And at that point in time, the coach in the car overtook us because he was, we were on the radio and he was like, you got to turn around. We're not going to get enough daylight back to get home to Jindavine. And Dietz was like, oh, stuff it. Let's keep going. <laughs> and um, he must have been feeling better than I was because then the support car then overtook us. And it's real narrow roads, alpine roads, overtook us and then basically stopped over both lanes. So we couldn't go forward and said, you're turning around. And so Deed's got the absolute shits because we were about 5K away from Cancoven. And we turned around and it took us, We were, I think we just got home at like 7.30 at night or something, back to Threadbow, uh, back to Jindabyne, sorry. But he absolutely destroyed me on the way home on that ride. I was left by myself. And um, yeah, he, I've, I've trained with a lot of people and his ability to endure discomfort, I've never seen. So it's not, it's not a surprise to me that you have that trait and freely and openly volunteer to endure. It's a trait that can be learnt, but that's obviously been learnt by you, learnt by him and something that you guys run with because you both can endure and, fr- and so openly endure it without question. And it's interesting as well. I think talking today, like you've, I asked you what you think about when you're enduring it and all you have to think about is the goal, right? Is to say that's that's is all I need. Is a goal that I that, that you believe in, the goal that you've set for yourself, that sustains you. Yeah. That's really powerful. And I think a lot of people can take away from that to go, well, whether it's work, whether it's office work, whether it's family work, whatever it is, if you set a goal that's strong enough, then you'll endure the hard times no problem. Yeah. I certainly agree. Yeah. And if you're goal setting and you don't feel that, maybe it's not the goal for you. I know for me, when I really get that fire in the belly, that's the goal. You know, like it could be two triathlons, but one will just light me up way more. Yeah, right. But yeah, that's a cool story about Dad. I think the goal setting, even for him now, not an athlete, yeah. but what's the goal in life? You yeah. know, that next piece of the puzzle, you know, what gets him out of bed? So he certainly learned so much from him. All right. Top five that we finish off at every episode is the number one tip you would give to someone looking to be more successful in their life. Dedication and dedication from the point of view to fully indulge in whatever you're doing in that moment. You don't have to set the goal and then give up everything around you. But when you're training, indulge in training or when you're resting, indulge in resting. I think that's been a big thing for me when I look at dedication. Like I don't have to give up the world, but dedicating myself in that moment. I guess it could also be called presence, but that's a big thing for me. Dedication for sure. And being present. Yeah. Number one tip for someone looking to be happier. In their life? People. It comes back to good people. I mean, if you can build a village, take them on a journey, it means so much more than doing it alone. I learned that over the years and that rings so true. People are everything. I mean, humans weren't created to be alone. Mm. So when you can form the right group, it's truly powerful. Yeah, I like that. They're two really good answers. Favourite book to gift or to read? I haven't read a lot of books, to yeah. be honest, since school. But uh, shoot. Other than business business books well that's university yeah exactly right even then you know shoe dog by phil knight shoe dog was the last book that i did read you know i am quite entrepreneurial i suppose i enjoy business minded of course doing a business degree and yeah that was a cool book for sure 
uh, most influential person in your life? Oh, we've touched on them so much. I mean, mum and dad are the pillars, but I'd probably say Bailey. Yeah. I mean, he's picked me up so many times. And as I said, it's crazy, but it's a two-way street. And yeah, so grateful for him. Awesome. And then finally, uh, a guest, famous or not, that you think we should have or you'd like to have us to have on the podcast? Maybe Bailey. <laughs> Get Bailey's side of the story before he does become famous. Yeah, true. So, no, that would be cool. To get your little brother in. Yeah. He's a good, he'd be a good chat. Yeah. Yep. He's full of knowledge for sure. Kat McDonald, it's been a pleasure. I hope this year is is everything that you want it to be. And you can take those lessons that you've learned last year and implement it into this year. And you know, there's, there's not too many people in the world that I'd want more success than you. So thanks very much for coming on. Appreciate it, mate. Thanks heaps. That was another episode of the Success Times Happiness podcast. Thank you for listening. If you did enjoy it, please let any residents at Jindabyne know, given that it was referenced a number of times in today's show. Until next time, peace.